Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. I don't have a co-host tonight, uh, but we're not going behind any me lines learning about Illinois football from someone who covers that team or anything like that. We decided to do something a little bit different this week and have someone from the Penn State beat come on to talk to us about the team, about just the last, in a way, the last couple of years of Penn State football and do a little bit of talking about what Penn State is getting into against Illinois this week. We went to my old stomping grounds of Onward State to get Will Pegler, the associate editor, one of the football beat writers and a senior who has covered the team for the last three seasons. Will, what's going on, brother? How's it going, Bill? Thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. Anytime, uh, anytime I get the opportunity to uh, elevate Onward State over the dastardly Daily Collegian, I am I am required to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If anyone listening, we love it. Yes, if anyone listening to this is a, a former Collegian uh, graduate, I don't mean a single word of that. Uh, but I, I wanted to get Will because one thing that one just a much. Uh, a feeling of pride in me whenever I see Onward State getting uh, doing good coverage of Penn State football, and they really have been doing that over the last year or two. And this particular OS crew is fascinating to me because they go to the games, which means they were at the Iowa game a few weeks ago. And Will, before we start getting into Illinois stuff, before we start getting into uh, who's going to be playing quarterback, those sorts of things, I want to ask about the Iowa game from the perspective of someone who was at the Iowa game. What was the general vibe? Well, let me ask you this. When did you realize something was going on with Sean Clifford? Not when did you realize Taquan Roberson was going to come in, but when did someone go, oh, wait, something's going on with Sean. This might not be good. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I think us and a lot of other people, um, you know, on the Penn State beat in the press box realized that somewhat late, I mean, maybe a little bit before than people who were watching on TV, obviously. Um, when it happened, it was, you know, I think it was roughly halfway through the second quarter or so when he when he took that that hit that people are talking about that were saying might have caused it, kind of speculating. Um, I noticed Taekwon was throwing on the sideline while the defense was out there, which was kind of, he was kind of throwing more than he usually does. So I kind of noticed that. I, I One of our other beat writers ryan parsons i kind of tapped him and was like that's kind of weird you know i don't, I don't know what that is and we kind of forgot about it we watched another defensive series um and then take one came out there so it was kind of it was pretty quick and um similar to pro- probably how a lot of people watching on tv on, on fox back at home um saw it happen so yeah pretty a pretty quick turnaround and what was the vibe in the stadium uh did you did you get the sense basically from the moment Taquan came in that it seems like a lot of Penn State fans have had, which is that that should have been the sign that, you know, this game was going to go Iowa's way. Like, was there a moment where it kind of dawned on you like, okay, yeah, this, you know, this kid's been dealt a really tough hand, not going to be able to do it. Or was it one of those things where until Iowa went ahead, you were of the belief that Penn State was still going to win that football game? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I think, I don't know if I'm in the majority or the minority here, but Penn State's defense has been playing so awesome all of this year, um, and they were playing so well even against Iowa. I kind of felt even, um, you know, like you said, even before that that last touchdown with about four minutes left, I, I did feel still pretty confident that Penn State could do it in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you felt like at some point the defense might break. Um, 
but I was kind of of the belief that if, if run price defense can keep doing its thing, then it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, they had, they had that 14 point cushion, um, when Sean came out. So I was kind of, I, I, part of me was thinking, you know, maybe the defense could, could hold on here. Um, but it's a good point about the fans as well. I mean, there, I know there's been so much chatter, obviously back and forth with the booing and the injuries and all that stuff. Um, but they're not dumb, obviously. And when take one came in, the place got even louder. Kinnick stadium, credit to those fans. It's already super loud um and when take one came in they knew you know let's get on him early he, he really has little to no experience obviously he had the villanova and ball state games but that's really pretty much it um this season and you know they got super loud right away and then and then those three false starts happened when when penn state's backed up on its own goal line and so yeah i think that was kind of the moment it was like all right this this game's about to get flipped on its head you know this isn't going to be a this isn't going to be a runaway game for penn state um but like i said at the beginning um I still felt like the defense might be able to hold on, and and they really did for a long time. Credit credit to that side of the ball, um, but no, I think you knew when Take One went in, this it was going to be much a much different game. And after the game, after you have been, if you've been covering since 2019, that 2019 yep. team only lost a handful of games, uh, ultimately ended up winning a New Year's Six Bowl. That 2020 team, obviously very unique circumstances, but they did end up losing five games, whatever it was. What was the vibe? What was the sense around the team? And to whatever extent you can do that, considering the weirdness of last season, how does that compare to what you've seen out of Penn State football teams in the past when they lose a football game and they have to go out there, they have to start talking to the media, they have to let that marinate and sit about and think about what just happened over the last three, four hours of playing a football game? Sure, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think, um, and looking at, you know, right after the Iowa game, obviously we talked to James first, um, but the first player who came out was was Jordan Stout. He was the first guy we got to talk to. I um, mean, he had a great day punting. He had, obviously had to, I think he had several punts where he was backed up in the own end zone and was able to flip the field a little bit. Um, but he, he came out first. We talked to Ellis Brooks, I, I can't even, Arnold Evichetti also, guys like that who, who had big days on, on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, the vibe was definitely everything can still be accomplished. Um, as hard as it's going to be this big 10 East gauntlet they have ahead of them. Um, you know, it was frustrated. They were disappointed. You know, the Iowa fans had just stormed the field. It was kind of a, like a shell shocked moment a little bit, but I think they all got a chance to kind of collect their thoughts and the vibe was definitely, you know, this is a tough loss, but you know, our guy got knocked out. That is what they were thinking. And then, um, and everything can still be accomplished that they, if they went out, which as hard as that is, I think they're, they're still confident that they, they can come, you know, complete all their goals. Um, and we talked to take one last also, which, which I think was, was re re like respect to him for going out. And, and talking to the media after that he was the last guy we talked to he was you know visibly upset but um i think it seemed like his teammates definitely picked him up and it was still compared to last year like you said a much more positive kind of vibe moving forward i think last year obviously it was on zoom so it's tough to you know fully compare it but last year you know you hit four or five losses obviously the fifth one was against io is kind of just like geez man like <laughs> how long is this gonna you know continue what is this gonna you know change so Definitely much more of a, a positive kind of keep your head up vibe um, compared to last year for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only speak to this as someone who like follows along with all this stuff, you know, almost as a right. hobby. But like I got the sense with last year's team that 
they lose that first game to Indiana. Obviously, it happens under very fluky circumstances. They outplay Indiana. Whatever you want to say there. They have Ohio State the week, the immediate week after that. And you could just tell for the next month or so, that was a team that, based on how the first two weeks of their season went, I don't want to say they felt there was absolutely nothing to play for, but there was just this sense of like, defeatedness around the team that it, it just didn't seem to me as I was observing it that there was anything like that after the Iowa game is that after the Iowa game and in this like last week and a half since then is that is that a fair read on it I think that's a perfect way to put it I mean it, it was really still they were frustrated obviously it was a tough loss but so much more positive than like you said last year I think defeated is the perfect word for it I mean even outside of all the losses obviously Stuff like, you know, Micah leaving, you know, Pat had an injury to deal with, Pat Fireman had an injury to deal with, Journey Brown, obviously, had just found out his football career was over. So there, even outside of COVID, there was, you know, so many negatives going on um, just kind of around the program. James was, you know, away from his family. That was a big storyline. Um, so, yeah, compared to last year, I think just more positive in general. I know I already said that, but um, even after even after the loss, it was kind of just, a, well, they've, you know, they've got a bye week to regroup now. Um Obviously, they still got still have a lot of you know tough games on the schedule, but by by week to regroup, maybe um, we'll get into this soon. Also, but I mean, uh, a nice welcome into the second half of the season against Illinois. Obviously, we'll see what happens, but um, no, yeah, I still I I I think that's a perfect way to put it. It, it. They felt very defeated last year, and and this year it's been even in the face of of their first loss of the season, it definitely felt like a different vibe um, just being around them. And you, I know you haven't obviously been going to uh, every practice they've had since then, but like, what have you noticed in just how the team has looked as they've been practicing in communication with James Franklin and uh, whatever player comes out for media stuff? Do you kind of get that sense as, you know, as they've been looking forward to Illinois following the Iowa game? They, I mean, they seem confident to me, man. They, um, this is it's Thursday today, but we we go to practice on Wednesday. This this week we talked to obviously James, but then we got to talk to Jaquan Brisker. The week before that we got Jair Brown. Those are you know two stars on on the defensive side of the ball, just as an example. But um, they're confident. I think especially on defense, they feel like they're one of if not the best defenses in the country. And I think um, you know with having guys like Jahan and other offensive weapons. Um, they feel pretty darn, darn confident on either side of the ball. And I, th I think you can, that comes through even, you know, we only get to watch practice for, you know, 15 or so minutes. Um, and we get, you know, 10 minutes or so with James and a player on Wednesday night. Um, but from what I've seen, it's, it's really just confidence, um, especially entering this, um, the second half of the season here, just it's kind of crazy to think we're already halfway through, but um, yeah. a lot of confidence in general, no doubt. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned guys like Jaquan, uh, guys like Jahan, guys like Jair, uh, yeah. just like I, there was that piece that I believe Audrey Snyder in The Athletic wrote about how all of them went up to Franklin after last season and basically said, like, you need, like, we let the standards slip so, and you need to help us get back to that and really ride us. So I'm glad that, like, uh, like that, that's just something I'm glad to hear that they, all, they that wasn't lip service. Like, these are guys that want to go out there, they want to own this stuff, and they want to really set that standard for the entire season. And before we get into... The big question that uh, I want to ask you, uh, I, I, you mentioned it for a second, a second ago, but I just want to know, and I want our listeners to know, when you say 
go to practice. Like, I just think there could be a little bit of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like perception that that means that uh, the Penn State beat is sitting there with their notebooks for an hour and a half, jotting things down and all that. Can you just explain for the listeners how that works? Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's Wednesday nights. We get a, you know, 15, maybe it's usually just 15 minute window. Um, and they're running through like just quick, quick drills. It's nothing like, um, you know, seven on seven or not, you know, in-depth stuff. We're really, like you said, we're not sitting there with notebooks and jotting down, um, you know, long sets of practice and that kind of thing. It's, it's really quick, quick drills that we get to see. Um, a lot of, a lot of this will come up, but a lot of just quarterbacks working on throwing drills, um, running backs getting reps, kind of a lot of position reps. Um, and it's really just a quick, quick view. Um, usually outside, it's a lot better outside rather than being in, in Haluba Hall. Um, but oh yeah, it's, it's really just a quick, a quick window, a quick peek um, into kind of what they're running through for the week. It's it's nothing. We don't really see any specifics um, in terms of plays and stuff, obviously. Um, so yeah, like I said, kind of a long-winded answer, sorry, but just quick, uh, quick kind of positional drills that they run through throughout the, throughout the week is, is really what the main bulk of what we get to see. And I asked you that because I needed to ask you this. Yeah. Obviously the big thing that happened at practice yesterday was Sean Clifford went out there in pads, throwing with Christian Bayou, throwing with Taquan Roberson. Can you just tell us what you saw while he was out there, what he was doing? And then the important thing, just how did he look while he was, you know, getting in a couple of reps in front of the media. For sure. I mean, it looked from what we get to see week to week, like I said, quick kind of throwing drills to either GAs or wideouts kind of running like undefended routes. It, it looked pretty normal to me. I mean, it was just him running through, running through sets with Mike Yersich, um, kind of just fly routes, quick slants, that kind of thing. And, and just running through, running through drills. And it looked, um, it looked from from my perspective, and I think everyone else's perspective, it didn't look any any different than a normal Sean Clifford that we normally get to see at practice, you know. And obviously, we're never seeing him taking hits in practice and that kind of thing. So that's that's you know part of the part of the question, obviously, in terms of his availability. Um, but it looked pretty pretty normal. And then once we got to talk to James, James kind of confirmed that uh, um, Sean had been even before Wednesday, he had been getting reps in practice. Um, and as of Wednesday night, was splitting reps, you know, a third, a third, and a third with with Veyu, um, and take one. So that's that's really that's really what we saw. So let's start talking about Illinois a little bit, and we'll start with Sean. The big question there. I am of the belief that Sean Clifford is best used as a break in case of emergency option here. I think there are basically two benefits to not playing him. One. It's another week for him to rest, another week for him uh, to, you know, get his body right with whatever has been going on with him. Uh, You know, we know he has such a good grasp on the offense of the guys around him. You can afford that. And then the other is you want uh, Taquan Roberson to have that little bit of confidence about him that might have been sapped against, might have been sapped going up against Iowa by going back home and going against one of the worst defenses in college football, they're 84th in defensive SP plus. If I like, if I, an idiot talking to you, a student journalist were trying to map this out, I would say I'd put my money based on absolutely nothing on Sean Clifford is there 
He is available, but he is not playing unless a catastrophe happens. What would you say? I I think I'm right there with you on that, and I think I think those two points um, you pointed out are exactly why. I think that that second one especially is interesting, just in terms of getting some confidence for Robeson. I mean, obviously, it was ugly at Iowa. They eight false starts, I think seven completions, a couple of intercept or seven or seven completions out of out of 21 attempts, a um, couple of interceptions. It was it was ugly, and I think that I I know you didn't ask this directly, but I think the other interesting thing was on Tuesday, um, James was kind of saying he had a quote about how you know, the gap between take one, a guy who's been here for a couple of years, and Christian Veyu, who's presumed to be the third string, should be pretty large. Um, and James actually said, right now, it's not that large. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe you could say, oh, he's just saying that to to deke out Illinois. I mean, who knows? But um, if that's really full of the truth, I think that's, that's interesting. And I think if it is the truth, it'd be worth it to, you know, a, like you said, get Sean rest. There's no need to rush him back against a defense like Illinois. But also, just get take one a little more confident in that backup role. I mean, guys get hurt all the time. I mean, if if you don't want to speculate here, but if Sean's injury had been more serious, what happens if take one is the guy, you know, um, for, for an extended period of time? So I think that, that point about getting him confidence really can't be overstated because injuries happen. It sounds obvious, but it's football. Like, they happen all the time. So... Getting the backup a little bit more confidence, especially Sean, um, you know, presumably is gone after last year or after this year. He does have one more year of eligibility. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great point, especially a team uh, against a team like Illinois. So so aside, what did you make of that quote? Because when I heard it, my first thought was I thought it was probably more of an endorsement of Christian Bayou because I can't imagine James Franklin going out and knocking one of his players like that. But like at the same time, like it's very possible that, uh, how do I put this delicately? Uh, maybe Taquan is struggling a little bit considering what his first extended college football action was. Right. I mean, I, I don't think, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's a good point. I mean, you wouldn't think James would go out and knock a guy like that. I mean, I, th- I think he probably was, more meant it as a, as a compliment to Veyu. I mean, he he was a fairly highly recruited guy coming out of, I think it was the Bullis School um, up in Maryland, yeah. and and he was a three-star prospect, so maybe getting him a little bit more, you know, confident and kind of shining a light on him as a true freshman. Um, but it was interesting. I was kind of taken aback by it. It was it was a little strange, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, he, what, he, I think entering the season, take one had like one passing attempt, um, and obviously he got more time this year before Iowa, but you know, he was getting so much criticism on Twitter, like, and, and social media in general. And I can only imagine um, maybe even what he was getting in, in DMs and that kind of stuff, which, which is awful and should never happen. Uh, um, but I mean, it's Kinnick Stadium and we we saw it, all the all the booing and stuff. It was an impossible, not impossible, but it was a near impossible situation to, to come into. So it seems like he could be like, you know, I don't want to use the wrong word here, but almost like you don't want him to have be like scarred from that you know for yeah, life. You, like you, a, you don't you don't want you don't want the i mean it's a it's a phrase that's been used a few times uh you know penn state loses to ohio state one week and then loses to michigan state the next and they do that the following year like you don't want iowa to beat Taquan roberson two weeks in a row more or less exactly that's a great way to put it and i yeah i mean i think there is value in that i remember and if take one does play i mean we can get into illinois more in a sec but um, 
the the vibe I'm kind of getting is remember in 2019 the the game Will Levis started against Rutgers. It was kind of just like a, a weird game. <laughs> yeah. Penn State's defense just did its thing against you know a, a bad Rutgers team. Um, and it, there was no. I think Sean he took that injury against Ohio State. It seemed like maybe he could play, but they just wanted to rest him for you know the the bowl game and and the bowl season that was coming up. So that's kind of that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Thing. obviously i'm not speculating on what injury sean actually has um you know we don't know what's gonna happen really i think you know we're gonna find out saturday right before the game when they when they do the starting lineup on the on the jumbotron i think um but yeah i think those are those are good points yeah, so let's talk illinois a little bit uh the penn state enters this game as a 23 point favorite uh our pal bill Connolly uh ran the numbers and uh sp plus believes penn state wins this game 39 to 11 the illini numbered 92 in offensive S- in sp plus 100 offensively 84th defensively two and five on the season will uh my guess is you and i are going to have the exact same takeaway uh but what's the big thing that sticks out about this illinois team and the research that you've done on them in the lead up to this game uh, it's got to be the defensive struggles. And in, in looking at them today, I mean, their defense has just been real tough. I mean, they've had struggles on either side of the ball. Um, obviously, I mean, they're two and five. That 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 happens for a reason. But I know last week I was, or sorry, they had a bye this past weekend. But two weeks ago when they had Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin nearly had 400 rushing yards on them. Um, I know Chesma Lucy led the way, but that's for me got to be the highlight, especially for for a Penn State rushing attack that's kind of struggled maybe kind of have a chance to get their swagger back a little bit against a, a defense that's in almost in most of the statistical categories is really dead last in the big 10. Yeah. As I, I have them up uh, right here, Illinois defensively uh, is last in total yards allowed per game. Second to last in passing yards allowed per game, second to last in rushing yards allowed per game. And, uh, third to last in uh, points per game. I mean, the thing that sticks out to me, like you mentioned, it's just the fact they're not good. Like <laughs> I, I, like you, hate, <laughs> you hate to write a team off, but right, right. like, but like they're not good. Like they beat Nebraska in one of the more inexplicable results of the college football season. And then since then yep. they barely beat Charlotte and it's just been hell ever since then. Uh, a good new, the good news for Penn State, I think, is that we saw last season that they can beat up on this exact Illinois team. Penn State won last year in their season finale, 56-21. to 21. Uh, Illinois relied on uh, quarterback turn wide receiver Isaiah Williams to do basically all the things on their offense, and they just haven't used him as a quarterback at all this season. They their passing offense, not particularly great. Their rushing offense, they have a good back in Chase Brown. But like, Will, when you look at this game, are you basically in the same boat as me where it's like, I almost think Penn State could start a walk-on quarterback and I think they'd win this game. I think, I think yeah, I think that's the big point. I mean, like you just said, why why start Sean even if he's, you know, 75%, 80%? Why it's, It just doesn't seem worth it, A, against this defense. And, I mean, Penn State's defense is... It's really unbelievable. Even with obviously we haven't mentioned it yet, but PJ Mustafer down for the rest of the year, this still this defense is still unbelievable. We talked about guys like Brisker and Jair Brown at safety, two guys who have really dominated all year. Um, Ebbeketti, Arnold Ebbeketti has had this, you know, 
I don't even know what to call it, like a, a renaissance from Temple over at Penn State. He's been unreal. Jesse Lucchetta is having this resurgence at his, you know, defensive end linebacker hybrid position. So I think this defense is just going to have its way with with Illinois' offense, really. And I think Illinois also has a um, has a quarterback controversy on its hands, or not a controversy, but our, our old friend from Rutgers, Art Sitkowski, we don't know versus, um, playing on his name, I'm sorry, Brandon Peters. Peters has been dealing with injuries. Sitkowski has played a little bit. Peters has played a little bit, and they're not quite sure who's going to start. Either way, I think um, Penn State's offense, and if Take One play, if Take One Roberson starts, Take One Roberson isn't going to have a ton, a lot of a, a ton of pressure on it, just because of the fact that I don't know how Illinois' offense is going to be able to get much of anything going against a possibly pissed off Penn State defense after after coming off of a loss. So what? I mean, let's look at this game just real quick from Penn State's perspective. What what do you want to see out of them? I mean, I don't think it's I, – I don't think – you know, it's obviously not a game like in Ohio State where it's like, you know, you want to see them going all out. You want to see them doing this incredible thing, that incredible thing. But, you know, like you mentioned, they're coming off a loss. I feel like this is an opportunity for Penn State. And I I hate to say it because I hate making it sound like I'm trying to, like – disparage a college football team but this is an opportunity for them to flex a little bit which is something that you know they might have two more chances to do that over the course of the season and even then like there's no guarantee like this is the last game that is guaranteed I think to look easy on the rest of Penn State's schedule Right. I totally agree with you. I think I think like I was saying on defense, I think a lot of those guys are going to be able to have have big days. And like you said, flex their muscles a little bit, kind of remind everybody that, you know, they lost the game. But Penn State's defense still played great against Iowa and they're still a top defense in the conference and, you know, arguably in the nation. Um, so obviously that's that's going to be a highlight. But then on offense, too, I mean. The running back situation has been weird. We talked about how John Lovett and Devin Ford um, both went down with injuries against Iowa. So we're not sh- sure about their availability right now but the rushing attack hasn't necessarily been you know and has honestly been a kind of a a, a, a struggle for Penn State's offense um, for lack of a better word so I think it'd be exciting to see guys like even Noah Kane I know he was dinged up against Villanova um, but we don't, we're not sure on his if he's 100% or not uh, but a guy like Noah Kane to kind of flex his muscle a little bit and kind of show that he's still a, a valuable starting running back for Penn State or even Devin and forward if he's healthy but I think I think that's kind of what I'm what I'm highlighting a little bit the rushing attack um just because Illinois defense really struggles against um the rush obviously we saw that against against Wisconsin um but that's one thing I'm gonna highlight just seeing if, if Penn State can get its swagger back a little bit in, in the run game I think that'd be exciting to see yeah I mean I'm but I think my, my big thing is probably I just don't want to see anyone getting hurt ahead of the game like Penn State wins that game against Ohio State and you know you mentioned it uh Will and how the team was responding to losing to Iowa but like they beat Ohio State and they're the favorites to go to the playoff out of the Big Ten right just, you know just because you know Michigan has to go to Happy Valley so that that throws that out of whack a little bit but I'm like I, I think this really is an opportunity I, I mean it for someone or something on Penn State to really start laying down the foundation 
for this second half of the season, you know, the first five weeks were uh, first six weeks. We're still getting used to Mike Kyrgios' offense, still getting stuff installed, that kind of thing. Let's break out. Let's show that the the groundwork we laid in the first few weeks of the year are going to springboard us to even if it is not going to Indianapolis competing for a Big Ten championship, going to a New Year's Six Bowl, going to the Rose Bowl, going to, uh, you know, I don't remember what the at-large bowl is, but there's so much ahead of them in this game, Will. Like we mentioned, Penn State, 23-point favorite. Uh, SP Plus has them winning. Uh, I don't remember the number off the top of my head. Uh, Penn State winning by 29 I think that sounds about right. The total in this game is 45 and a half. I think it's possible Penn State goes out and puts up one of those performances where, you know, they're they're covering the total on their own and they don't have to worry about winning by 23. What do you think as we're heading into this one? To be honest with you, I... I I, I see Penn State covering the spread that I think you said 23 and a half points. I don't know if we don't know yet who's going to start. If take one starts, I don't necessarily see a completely dominant performance for the offense. That's I just fair. think coming off of a bye week, um, you know, kind of a, a noon kick. It might be, I know, you know, the, the players say want to know this week, that's not going to affect us, but I just think it, it has a certain vibe to it. I mentioned Rutgers 2019, just kind of a, uh, I don't know, just, just a little bit of a sleepy vibe. I mean, everybody's talking about how Illinois, Illinois is two and five. They're not not a great team, which I agree with, and I, I think is true. Um, but I think that could be tough to fight against. I I, I I see Penn State covering the spread and and doing plenty to win this game, no doubt. Um, but I don't know if I see them putting up you know forty or fifty points. That's that's I think going to be my takeaway. But I do see the defense dominating. Well, let's hope that uh, I am more right than you are, but we're both going to end up right on this one. Will, <laughs> thank you so much. Tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, sure. I am uh, onwardstate.com. Um, and stick with us at our Twitter, Onward State and Onward State Sports throughout. Um, game day, we'll have it covered with live tweets. We'll be tweeting player and coach press conferences. And then obviously on onwardstate.com, we'll have, we'll have stories right after the game as well. So thank you again for having me on. It was awesome. Always love talking Penn State football um, with a fellow Onward Stater. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I will inside baseball. I uh, hit up Will, I think, like 45 minutes before this podcast, and he was <laughs> incredibly willing to hop on. So appreciate him. Always appreciate uh, the family over at Onward State, and we appreciate everyone for listening to this edition of the pod. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you're doing all the stuff we normally say this time of the show. Make sure reading, supporting the site, buying shirts, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. One last time, thank you very much for listening to Roar Lions Radio. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.